welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass and marching band. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director and musician from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, the lessons they've been given and the lessons that they give and how they're making an impact on their bands and communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the global band room. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the Global Band Room. That was the Ireland's Call Virtual Band Project, which uh, many musicians from across Ireland and across the world uh, contributed towards and is our very own contribution to all the virtual band projects that are happening around the world right now. Uh, composed by Phil Coulter, arranged by Mark Armstrong of the Defence Forces School of Music and produced by myself, John Carpenter, um, Brian Masterson and the video of which you can see on our Facebook page put together by Steve and Mackin and uh, Barbara Dowling of course managing all of those musicians that are coming in and out of the project as well so huge thank you to everyone uh, it sounds great I'm definitely going to use that on the podcast a lot more I think over the next few weeks because it's just you know I want to run out into Crow Park and start uh, throwing around a rugby ball as soon as I hear it now the podcast as you all know is very very new uh, although we are on episode number 13 which is amazing but it's only a few weeks old and I'm still trying to find a routine and uh, find out exactly what it is that I want to do with the podcast. Uh, There's some great podcasts out there that are doing interviews with band people all around the world and I know uh, my friend Mark Connor for instance with the Everything Band podcast does a brilliant job and is just a brilliant interviewer. Um, Obviously I'm bringing on people and interviewing them as well. What I'd like to to do with this is bring reoccurring guests back on. Just check in with people on a regular basis um so a number of the guests that you may have seen on podcasts up until now we may be having them back over the next couple of weeks check in with them see how uh, the 
COVID-19 crisis has been treating them. I'll also be adding in a couple of segments into the show, reoccurring segments, weekly segments, and the first of which will be starting uh, on the next episode, actually, with Jessica Harris. Jessica is a very good friend, very close friend of mine, and she's a music therapist. And we're going to be talking about music and health and well-being and how we can use music to help us through the current crisis but also then beyond that then as well uh so really looking forward to having that as a weekly segment on the show uh every monday now the schedule for the podcast is most likely going to uh, stick to a monday and a thursday from now on i want to be able to produce the best possible podcast for everyone bring on some really good guests and uh, do a quite a bit of a deep dive with people and uh, i feel i can do that more if i'm putting out the podcast on a monday and thursday rather than trying to hit that monday wednesday friday schedule that i've been doing up until now so uh, do tune in on those mondays and thursdays download the episodes the live stream, for anyone that isn't aware of the live stream, it's happening over on the Global Bandroom podcast page on Facebook, and then it, it, that gets shared into our community group, which is also called the Global Bandroom as well. If you're interested in catching some of these interviews live, uh, asking questions, interacting, potentially coming onto the live stream if you uh, if you so wish, head over to the page, like the page, follow what we're doing over there, and you'll find out when the next time that we're going to be going live is. Um, if you're downloading the podcast today, which is May 7th, uh, this evening I'm going to be chatting with Leandro Pasquai from Brazil, um, really top marching instructor in Brazil, doing some really amazing work and has worked with Jump Car International in the past himself as well so that's going to be a great one and we'd love to have you involved and join us for the live stream there. Now yesterday was the deadline for the Lone Star Global Ensemble uh, project with Julie Giroux, uh, her River Shannon project. Uh, I really really enjoyed recording the piece, I hope everyone else did as well. I know from uh, listening to people um, commenting on Facebook and interacting on the Global Bandroom uh, page, I think people really seem to enjoy it, uh, I think it's going to be great. I know they originally had a release date of May 8 for that but I know with them extending the deadline for submissions that's probably going to be pushed out a little bit so as soon as i have a date uh for for that i'll let everyone know but um yeah it was a great great project um they're doing some amazing work over there in lone star so head over to like them on on uh, facebook i head over to their website to find out more about them it's www.lswo.com does anyone do the www's anymore i'm not sure i should have just said lonestar.com now, the Irish Marching Band Association is after announcing their individual and ensemble competition that um, is open to certainly Irish people uh, from uh, uh, from across the spectrum of beginner to more senior players. Uh, but if you have international people that would like to submit, particularly if you have junior musicians out there that are just looking to interact with other band people around the world, they are accepting uh, performances of up to five minutes. It can be an individual or maybe a family ensemble. And... Uh, you can head over to their Facebook page at IMBA Irish Marching Bands Association. You can find out more about how to submit your videos into that, but it's really a piece of your choice, of your ability. And when they receive all of these various different uh, submissions, they're going to then create their categories based on who is sending them in. So uh, head over to that page. It's a a great project that they're running and uh, I'm looking forward to taking part with my own kids as well. 
Now to the interview for today. This interview was recorded uh, just after St. Patrick's Day with Johan de May. Uh, Johan is a great supporter of the work that we've done here in Ireland. He is a patron of the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra and he is a great friend of Bill Whelan who is obviously a very famous Irish composer, the composer of Riverdance, has arranged a lot of his music. So He's Dutch, living in New York, but a huge advocate of Irish uh, traditional music in his work. He's done uh, some amazing work with At Kitty O'Shea's, which a lot of band directors out there will know. And he also had the follow-up to that, which was Celtic Classics. Uh, In addition to that, he's arranged some of Bill's work, which um, was Seville Suite and, of course, his Riverdance. And I know uh, we were working on a project together for a possible premiere here, here in Ireland. And you'll hear on the interview... Now, we're still talking as if it might happen at that stage. Obviously, things have progressed since then. Um, unfortunately, that, that project won't happen in Ireland this year. But we do look forward to having Johan over again in Ireland. And we always enjoy when we have him here. So, over to my interview with Johan DeMay. Johan, it's great to have you. And happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, same to you. It's a, it's a weird St. Patrick's Day, though, because there's no parade, as you no know. Parade. No. <laughs> I certainly do. I certainly do. Yeah, so all of the American bands that were due to come over um, to, to Dublin for, to march on St. Patrick's Day, that all of their equipment arrived, but they'd never arrived, and we had to send their equipment back to them. So it's oh been, a, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, been, it's been a pretty sad St. Patrick's Day. But what's been really nice to see is all of the musicians around Ireland and bands around Ireland posting lovely videos of uh, people yeah. rehearsing at home and listening to things. So it's been really nice that, that way, you know. So, Johan, I mean, I think if there's anyone in the band world that doesn't know who you are, um, I think they've been maybe uh, under a rock for many, many years. But um, I suppose my first introduction to you was uh, about seven years ago when we started the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra and yeah. we played the uh, Lord of the Rings Symphony, your, your, your symphony number one, as mm-hmm. what was then a once-off project. And um, since then, we've done many, many projects, and you've been over yourself in the past then as well. Uh, oh, yeah. It was well. lovely. Yeah. I have great yeah. memories of that uh, that week in, uh, where were we? Um, it was in Waterford. Oh, yeah. Waterford. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah so, we had a good time. We had a wonderful time and a great concert. And you're hopefully, and we can talk about this again a little bit later, that you'll be coming to, to Ireland again pretty soon. Um, but tell us a little yes. bit about yourself, Johan, and your 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 background as a uh, musician and composer, and uh, how a Dutchman is living in New York now and writing uh, and arranging music by Bill Whelan too. Yes. Well, speaking of Bill Whelan, I just saw him last Wednesday um, in New York at Radio City Hall, and there was a big celebration of his 25th anniversary of Riverdance. That's right. Um, it was a terrific show. There was a uh, reception, and I met uh, Sir James Galway. He was there. He was an old friend wow. of Bill. And then the next day, unfortunately, all the Broadway uh, shows got cancelled, including Riverdown. So they had another five shows running. So that was a big bummer, of course, for everyone. But anyway, to go back to your question, yeah, I, uh, I started writing uh, as soon as I became a musician. So the order was that I first became a young musician in the local band playing trumpet. And later I switched to trombone. By becoming a musician, I became interested in, in creating myself, writing. 
right. very soon. And I started to become an arranger. And after that, I wrote a lot of arrangements before I uh, started composing. And then in 1982, I had a plan to write something myself originally. Mm -hmm. that, that became The Lord of the Rings, which six years later premiered in Brussels. So, so that, was, that was your so first, it was that was your first original work. Yes, but a lot of people don't believe it <laughs> because it sounds so mature and, you know, and, but yeah, it's, it's my first piece. Uh, nice. <laughs> that's what it is. The last, last um, Sunday, March 15th was the 32nd anniversary of my, my little baby. So, well, happy birthday. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and would would you would you recommend to any aspiring composer to 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 start with a, with arranging, learn the orchestration, learn the colors of the the ensemble, um, or was that just out of necessity that that was the the path that you you went? <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, becoming an arranger uh, was of course helpful to to learn about orchestration and a lot about the wind orchestra, etc. But I was self-taught. I I learned everything by myself. And my advice always to young composers is uh, study the scores of the great masters. That's what I did. I saw all the Mahler and Bruckner symphonies, the, all the Sorbinskis, all the Prokofiev's. And just by watching those scores and playing the music simultaneously uh, taught me how to, to orchestrate. And of course, I have a certain feeling for it or a certain uh, intuition. I'm very intuitive when it comes to composing. You know, I never had a lesson in either arranging or composing. It's all mm -hmm. self-taught. Yeah, that explains perhaps the spontaneity, which is in Lord of the Rings. It, it wasn't hindered by any teacher <laughs> who told me right. what to do. So, yeah. Um, so no, nobody was telling you that you can't write a symphony for wind bands. Exactly. And <laughs> I had there was no commission. I just started to do it as as a hobby and as a challenge. You know, I really wanted to write a, a major work for Wind's orchestra because in the early 80s, there were very few works longer than 10 minutes, you know? Right. And there were only a few symphonies. Uh, the, of course, the, the oldest one and the most uh, known is the Berlioz uh, Symphony Funebre et Triomphale, you know, which was written originally written right. by Wind's orchestra in 18-something. And then some early symphonies by uh, Percy Keddy, uh, Hindemith, uh, Serge Lancin from France, and either Goskowski, they wrote symphonies. But that's it. It's like maybe a handful. Yeah. And, and I must honestly say that I probably started a trend uh, yeah. when the symphony came out. It was it was an amazing success, you know. There it was seemed really to be a perfect storm around that time where 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 bands not only were you writing that music but bands were also and band directors were starting to be hungry for exactly band repertoire then as well yeah the time the timing was right but i had no idea when i wrote this that it would be become such a hit you know and just played yeah. all over the world that's of course fantastic uh, well it's been it was the inspiration for anyone that doesn't know already it was the inspiration behind the, the foundation of the irish symphonic wind orchestra um, mm -hmm. which uh, was founded by myself and, and Barbara Dowling and uh, Liam Daly conducted the first ever performance of it. And uh, that that has led to many, many performances of serious wind band repertoire. A lot of it right. for us too. I mean, uh, we, this year as part of our European celebration program, 
uh, we're performing via Claudia. Uh, so we've oh, played a lot of your music actually over 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 the seven years that we've been in existence. Yeah, but now thirty two years later, you know, I have written so much more music, uh, including my last symphony, which is also based on Tolkien, mm -hmm. uh, Return Return to Middle Earth. Uh, but I think uh, choosing the subject of Lord of the Rings that that was a golden decision because if the same music would have come out under just the name Symphony Number no. One, you know, without a program or a title, I don't think it would be it would have been so popular. Right. Yeah. You it, know, it, connection it, it, to programmatic Tolkien, music uh, tends to capture the imagination. Yeah, there are millions millions of people around the world who love the book, who know the book. You know, they even have uh, Tolkien societies and. It became a, a total cult in in the seventies. Remember, right? And, and then the movie. I don't. Came I out. don't quite remember, Johan. But uh, no, you were you were I'll a trust you. then. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even, but <laughs> right. So, so it was um, nineteen eighty two. was the um, was when you started writing that. No, nineteen eighty two. Eighty two was when you, yeah. Yeah. Well, I started thinking about it. Uh, I started. Okay. Jotting, jotting down some ideas in 1984. Uh, that's where I I started with the fourth movement, with Journey in, Journey in the Dark. That was the first first thing I wrote. Oh. And then uh, I hadn't actually played just that movement by the same uh, wind orchestra who did the world premiere, the Belgium Guides, you know, the yes. Groot, Groot Harmonie Orchestra van de Gidsen, as they call it in Belgium, the, the, the royal band of the Belgium Guides, fantastic group. And I went there in '86 for, uh, for for something else. They were going to side read my arrangement of uh, Romeo and Juliet by Prokofiev, which was then <coughs> finished. So they read through that, and then I was a little shy, but I asked Norbert Nozzi, the conductor, uh, then I said, Norbert, I I'm working on a new piece, and I have one movement finished. Would you be so kind to read it through? So yeah, of course. Boom. So they handed it out, and they side read the whole thing from beginning to the end without. Without a mistake, I mean they are phenomenal. And yeah. I was blown away, and I was sitting there, and I go, "Wow, this is so much better than I was expecting." So, from that moment on, I I really uh, accelerated in the composition process. Mm -hmm. So this was 1986. So basically, I wrote a whole thing between 86 and December 88. That's when it was wow. finished. And uh, but you know the whole process of Thinking about it and sketching took four years, and I still have those sketches. Oh no, I don't have them anymore. I donated my uh, all my originals to the, uh, the library uh, in uh, Milwaukee. Oh well, wow. uh, yeah, and it's there now. They're gonna digital digitalize it, and so I want it to be available for for our next generation. You know, when I'm when Absolutely. I'm no longer here, I want. The people to be able to see the original score, you know, and and especially the sketches are funny and interesting, mm -hmm. you know, they're like short short hands and and with balloons and, and uh, cross out. Are they the same sketches that are used in the uh, anniversary edition? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. There's two pages yeah. in the yeah. yeah. There's one of Gollum, one of Hobbes. Fantastic. So I actually sketched the whole symphony uh, with pencil and paper, and well, I I still do. I still make. Yeah. Where are they? They should be somewhere here. <laughs> I haven't worked on it for a while, but anyway, they're in this pile. <laughs> <laughs> they're somewhere there. I, I still like so, to make So, given, given that it's St. Patrick's Day, Johan, um, I've always been 
fascinated with how you're fascinated with uh, Irish song and Irish dance. Um, of course, and I'd love you to tell the story about how you and Bill Whelan met, because I think that's yes. fun. Uh, but 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 even outside of your 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 uh, arrangements and orchestrations of uh, Bill Whelan's music, um, you, you, some of the work that you're most well known for is at Kitty O'Shea's uh, and yeah, then Celtic Classics, which you released then recently then as well. Um, what is it about Irish music that has has drawn you um, over over the over the years, and and what is it that you keep returning to? Oh, I just love it. It's so uh, a beat and, you know, it's so special. And not only Irish music. I mean, there's English folk songs, Scottish, uh, which I love, but mostly Irish. And so, like you said, uh, At Kitty O'Shea's is one example where I use six different songs, Celtic classics. But I also wrote uh, Pennsylvania folk songs, which is a, a pun on folk songs, folk mm -hmm. spelled F-A-U-X. That also has some Irish melodies in it, but I made them up myself. They're not existing right. melodies. <laughs> the story well, is someone I was, has to, I suppose. I was commissioned by the, uh, the Allentown band from Pennsylvania, and I suggested, shall I write a folk song on Pennsylvania folk songs? Yeah, of course. Great idea. But I did research, and I couldn't find good material at all. There are very little Pennsylvania folk songs, or, or the ones I found were not inspiring usable. So I said to... Uh, Ronald Demke, the conductor, said, how about if I make them up myself? And he laughs, he says, sure, I guess. So all the songs in Pennsylvania folk songs, folk songs are faux, fake. I made them up myself, and they sound very Irish. And nice. Uh, songs from the Catskills. I was going to mention Catskills, yeah. Where I live now, but that also has some Irish songs that were important to the Catskills and then started living their own lives and sometimes with different titles or different uh, lyrics. But yeah, anyway, and, I'm a big fan of Irish music and I, I may do some more, you know. I, uh, right now, I'm working on another piece of Bill Wynn. Right. Uh, he wrote a flute concerto for James, James Galway called Linen and Lace, and which stands for uh, Belfast and Limerick, where they both come from. And it's a fantastic piece. Uh, I'm halfway now with the orchestration. Uh, with Bill's permission, and hopefully we will do the world premiere uh, on May 31st. May in 31st in Limerick, that's yeah, the, and I know that's um, the plan. That's our the our plan. friend uh, Maria Mulcahy from Cork, um, anyone that, that is from the Munster region of Ireland will know uh, we'll know of Maria. She's a wonderful, wonderful flautist, and I know Maria is looking forward to that. Um, I know um, there's, uh, there's many musicians from around Ireland just waiting for this opportunity to perform with you and perform new music with you as well, and also um, celebrate Bill Whelan and his 25th anniversary of Riverdance as well. Um, yes. So as it stands, and uh, any of the musicians that are that are that are waiting to, to perform that weekend right now, everything's still on. Um, we're, yes. That, that's going to be the last I'm thing. <laughs> Let's pray that this. This whole uh, nightmare will be over soon, you know, and then we can make some beautiful music. Bill's going to be there, uh, he promised. And yeah. uh, we're, we're going to do Riff and Dance. We're going to do Kitty O'Shea's. Uh, so I can't wait. That's probably yeah. my first gig again this spring. <laughs> right. So, so how has how has this, this affected you? Uh, I mean, I know you, anyone that follows you on Facebook knows how much you travel the world and um, how many people you work with and groups you work with throughout throughout the year. Um, this must be a very strange year for you. 
Yes. Well, you know, it's not as dramatic as for other people. Uh, I mean, all my concerts that are canceled now will be moved to next year. Okay. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just have a very quiet half year or hopefully it will not be longer. But, you know, I have time to write. I can finish Bill's piece. Uh, I'm working on three more commissions right now. And it is what it is, you know. Got and, and hopefully it will be over soon, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, well, back to Lord of the Rings. Uh, I will send you uh, two links that goes into the material much, much further. Uh, it's a 15-minute interview with uh, Colonel Jason Fettig, the conductor of the United States Marine Band. I had the pleasure and the honor to conduct him in February of 2018. And I also have a full recording of the symphony where I conducted this amazing uh, United States Marine Band. So if you put those two links under this article on Facebook, then everybody can, can enjoy it. Those there, absolutely, yes. Super, we've... Now, shortly after that moment in the interview, my Wi-Fi just completely died and the rest of the interview was just very hard to listen to. So uh, thank you to Johan for coming on to the podcast. I absolutely plan to have him on again to talk to him about how the COVID-19 crisis has really affected his his career and, and composers and conductors across the world. Again, if you'd like to get more involved in the Global Bandroom community, head over to Facebook, join the group, the Global Bandroom group, and we also have a Facebook page as well, which is the Global Bandroom podcast page. Uh, you can find out more about the work that we do over at the website, bandsofireland.com forward slash the Global Bandroom. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, all at the global band room and we love to have more news if you have information that we think that you think maybe our musicians would be interested in finding out about let us know if you have a project that you're starting to uh, work on do let us know about that uh, that as well and we'd love to share the news so stay safe and well and we'll see you next time back in the band room mm-hmm.